recording. All right. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to our Neuro Digest show. My name is Sylvia Moram, Chabo, your host, and uh, courtesy of Andy Speaks for Special Needs Persons, we normally have conversations surrounding raising neurodiverse children, adults, and how it is living, and educating also the caregivers on some of the ways they can be able to have this journey a bit smoother. And with us, we have Pamela, who's a mother of an 18-year-old child with cerebral palsy. She's going to be sharing her journey with us. And uh, as we wait for Mary to join us, and we have our sign language interpreter, Maita Karaoke. Thank you always for being there for us, Maita. We appreciate you. So for today, we're going to be discussing uh, the journey of raising a child with cerebral palsy. As we all know, this month, on the 6th next week, it's going to be World Cerebral Palsy Day. And in honor and celebration of that, this month of October, we'll be focusing a lot on the stories surrounding cerebral palsy here on NeuroDigest. And uh, to start us off, uh, just so to elaborate, cerebral palsy is a condition that usually affects the brain, the, um, the child's brain development is affected either during birth or the, within the first five years of a child's um, life. And uh, there are very many different causes. We've had those who say their child fell ill, something happened during delivery, and that's how their child ended up having and you find that five different types of cerebral palsy, depending on which part of your brain gets affected during uh, the child's development. And that's how it, 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 it varies. So you will find that we have children with cerebral palsy who are verbal, some are non-verbal, some can move, some actually cannot move at all and depend on 24-7 support of the caregivers. And to start us off, we shall start with Pamela. Pamela, how are you? Pamela, can you hear us? I know you're far and <laughs> introduce you. Thank you, Pamela. Yeah, I'm far. I can hear you. Ah, okay. Well, where are you joining us from? I love your background. It's very green. <laughs> I, I am in Kisumu County. Okay. Nyakach Sub County. Ah, Karibu, Karibu Sana. Now tell us, you have a. a a child who's 18 years old and um, I, I, I must commend you for that. I know how hard and how challenging that can be, right? Especially, I don't know, have you always been in Kisumu County or have you been in Nairobi and then been in Kisumu through and through his life? Uh, I've really not stayed in Nairobi, but uh, I used to visit Nairobi many times, those early years of my son's life. Mm -hmm. I used to visit Kenyatta uh, National Hospital mm -hmm. uh, just to find out what this was. Mm -hmm. But uh, I've stayed most of the, my times for the last 20 years. I've been staying in Migori County when the COVID started. Okay. And yeah. How, how did you find out that your child had cerebral palsy? How, how was it for you? Yeah, I went to hospital because it started one time uh, when the boy was uh, six, six months is when I realized. Mm -hmm. Six months of age. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, I, uh, initially, I, I, I felt there was an injection which I was given, the immunizations. Mm -hmm. I felt this was the cause of my son's problem because it was after that injection, mm -hmm. the second one, these days I've forgotten, 
the one which used to be given on the thigh. Mm -hmm. uh, then my son's thigh was swollen. And after some time, the doctor had told me to use something called ice to, to be massaging it, and then it went off. So after that, my son never uh, stood like the young children stood when you, you let them stand on the thighs. So I started running up and down, and he started having um, uh, Caesar attacks. So I went to hospital, and they could not tell me. They told me to look for a paid. I went to a pediatrician in PC, and uh, the pediatrician said he doesn't see anything serious, but said the boy had uh, uh, scanty, the scanty MPS malaria parasite cells were seen in the blood, and I was given the treatment as usual. But mm -hmm. the twitches and the scissors continued and I'm losing out there when, uh, I think he was getting the twitches the scissors when they were about to come then he would cry really painfully and so I got this information uh, of CP, a boy was now eight months. Mm -hmm. When I went to, I traveled to Nairobi to Kenyatta Hospital, urologist pediatrician. That is how I got the news. It was really shocking, and um, it gave me a lot of depression. Mm -hmm. I went into depression. It was shocking. It was really difficult to accept that my once. Uh, handsome bouncing son was now just like a, a luggage there. Okay. So it was really hard and it has been hard. I want to tell you it, is a, it has been hard. Mm. And uh, it takes time for somebody to accept. And this issue even breaks up families. I think at some point I almost broke my, my marriage almost broke. Uh, my husband went into denial while I was also still in denial. Mm -hmm. And so we could not even get anybody. That, that emotional support mm -hmm. uh, was not there because I think in his mind, although he never spoke it, mm -hmm. uh, he felt maybe he was mistaking me. I, I was also maybe uh, blaming him. Uh, we were in that state of confusion. Mm -hmm. But after walking and running up and down, you think if somebody tells you, go to this place, you think you would get help. Go to this place, you think you would get help. I could go to the clinics, which Dr. Oyazi uh, took me through to book in Kenyatta National Hospital. Uh, and uh, before I could come to accept this thing, then again, I had other challenges. Mm -hmm. Kenyatta Hospital was visited once in a month, mm -hmm. and I would go to clinics on a Tuesday. I would travel all the way from Migori County at night to reach the hospital by 11 a.m. And then I would be told when I go to the registry that my file is lost. Then when the file is lost, what do I do? Mm -hmm. I sit there on the bench in the hospital, 
until all the patients are seen, then I'm told you come back next week. And you know, at that time, I've also taken permission from school. Mm. And the head teacher would not understand. Mm. Being that my family was also staying my, in Nairobi, my husband was in Nairobi. Mm. Uh, 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 the head teacher always thought maybe I just went for a visit and not to the hospital. Mm. So it was a real challenge. So sometimes when the file got lost, I would just uh, look for Dr. Yazi in his private clinic mm -hmm. to attend to my son, to, to give me the drugs to use and such like things. Mm -hmm. So it has been a really difficult time. And so it took me a long time to come to accept this and to accept my son the way he is. And I loved him more. And the family members, especially my children. Mm -hmm. uh, Donnie is the fifth child in the family, mm -hmm. but he's now the, the third one alive. The other two had rested. Mm -hmm. So my son and daughter, the older ones, they really supported me emotionally. Mm -hmm. My mother used to visit me every time. And the only thing she could tell me, my daughter, God knows why you are in this. Mm -hmm. And I had two wonderful lady friends. Mm -hmm. They used to support me emotionally. Mm -hmm. They have remained my good friends to date. Distance is not a, a, a problem to us. Mm -hmm. I can still visit them. One is in Migori County at the moment. One is in Oma Bay County at the moment. And mm -hmm. whenever I feel like, I go to visit them. Whenever they feel like, they come to visit me where I am now. But I must tell you, it was not easy. So I think I accepted this condition when my son was now about uh, one and a half years. Mm -hmm. When now Dr. Yasi talked to me or oh, slowly by slowly and advised me mm -hmm. on, uh, on having a, a therapist, an occupational therapist, mm -hmm. where I was. So I got this uh, uh, occupational therapist who used to work in PC District Hospital. Uh, his name is uh, uh, Stanley Omach. Mm -hmm. And Omach could talk to me. Sometimes I felt he was too hard on me. But he told me, Mama, this is something you are going to live with. It is now like a fault in electricity, mm. whereby the transformer uh, has blown off, but we are trying now to check on which wire can work so mm. that we could even have the currents uh, in one line. Maybe we could light some two or one rooms in the house and that is how life will continue. Omach prepared me that if I didn't uh, uh, take it seriously and become committed, then it would really be hard for the boy to gain. And he told me that uh, he would be coming for uh, occupational therapy exercises in the house. Because whenever I traveled with this boy to hospital, I would reach there and he would be crying. And, and, and then I was told, Mama, go back with the boy, Umulete Sikuingine, when he's not in this state. So it was really hard, my friends, but the grace of God is sufficient. Ah. Uh, I, 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 I would jump a bit because maybe of time. I don't know if I have much time. You have, you have. Um, I want to say... Yes, you can continue. Hello? 
Yes, you can continue. The floor is yours. Yeah. So, okay. So I've, I've gone with this boy this way and I started the therapy exercises. He used to give me home programs. He used to come home uh, three times in a week and we worked well. And uh, some issues also came up, like he would suffer from some illnesses which I don't understand. And uh, uh, this, this, this now made me at one point I had to take the boy to stay in Nairobi for about 11 months when he was visiting Gertrude's Children's Hospital to establish why he used to have uh, some rashes just behind the ears, mm. along the lips, he could have those rashes. He would go to sleep when he's fine and then he would wake up with those issues. So a long visit uh, to Dr. Miyagi in Gertrude's Hospital uh, we realized that this boy is kind of allergic to certain things, so I was advised that he should not take red meat, he should, we should avoid dairy products, such like. And that is also when I learned my son is also autistic. Mm. Uh, uh, I, I stopped using those and I followed the doctor's advice, and so his life started becoming well. But I've passed one point. Mm. When uh, at three years, I became pregnant. I think at that, at that point, my, my husband tried to make a, a comeback, but I was also now following him to tell him that it is normal, this is our problem, we should share. Mm -hmm. Then I got pregnant with my last born daughter. Mm -hmm. You know what happened? I wanted to abort mm -hmm. because I felt, how do I continue with this? Where do I get the strength to carry Doni with me wherever I was going anywhere because I was ever alone? Uh, but the doctor refused and he told me, this is the person who will help you. Let, let this pregnancy stay. So long as you know, you never went outside your house. If this child belongs to your husband, then I want us to take care of it. Whether ni muvulana ama ni mschana, we mm. want to take care. So the doctor helped me through and the Kara was born and mm. she has really been helpful to me. Let me tell you, Kara is the maid I've had because mm. others come and go. Mm. So she has been helpful to me. Mm. Uh, she's, she's a very bright child. And uh, whenever we go to hospital together, she will ask the doctor, now, oh, why is my brother like this? Or oh, why can't you treat him? And so she's saying she will be a neurosurgeon mm. because of his brother. Wow. Another challenge, another big one, mm. uh, my boy is now a teenager. Yes. And as I can see, he's sexually active. Mm. This is a big challenge that I have. Mm -hmm. I can see Donnie playing with his genitals mm. until he releases himself. Uh, because he only expresses himself with that noise. So we have learned to to know when he wants to go for a call. Mm. Uh, I, I even took him to school because I thought now uh, we knew a bit his language. Last year in June, his, his case was in the media. Mm. He got badly injured and the school never noticed. Yeah. I, I, I removed some score from the school on this issue mm. because I felt they were a bit careless. Mm. They did not take him to hospital. Mm. early enough to find out the problem. So when I reached the boy was in bad shape, 
mm. but we later realized that he had a broken jaw. Uh -huh. So he was wired for uh, two and a half months. Mm. And uh, I think two and a half months after spending 20 days in the hospital, I again went back to, to food, which is, uh, which is uh, uh, blended, mm -hmm. and it was really hard. Yeah. So the biggest challenge I'm seeing ahead of me, mm -hmm. this is a man now, mm -hmm. then I don't know what to do. He cannot still walk alone, but we are trying. The sister takes him round. These days he doesn't go with a walker, mm -hmm. but can hold the sister. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'll send some pictures mm -hmm. in due course. Mm -hmm. He can walk with the sister holding uh, her shoulders or the hand. Again, I'm wondering whether you will get somebody to marry him or... Yes, you... you. I don't know what will happen. But it is a real challenge. Yes, I can, I can, I can only imagine raising boys, and then it gets to this point, and you've done it for eighteen years, and that that is quite um, that's quite a story, and encouraging to those who are wondering. Because I'm actually impressed that he's now walking, holding his sister. Because the last time last year when we were uh, pursuing the case about the school and his fall, he was on a wheelchair, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So, so that's that's that was on a wheelchair, yeah, and and that's uh quite impressive the progress he has made, and that shows just how committed you have been and how supportive. Because, uh, as a single parent, did, did the dad ever come back after, or that's that story? Ended? Yeah, he came back, okay, he yes. came back, mm -hmm. but but I must tell you, he he doesn't know anything to do with the boy, you see. Now the boy is somebody who has uh, even hair on the pubic parts, mm -hmm. but dad doesn't even know how to shave that. Mm -hmm. So I and my daughter, we have learned to shave him. Mm -hmm. Whenever his, the hair is grown, we try to shave him. Of course he resists, mm -hmm. but we sometimes have to, 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 to hold him. Another person is holding him tightly mm -hmm. and we even talk to him because he can hear. Yeah. I know he can can hear but he can do this hair uh, please give us time but we do it with a lot of resistance from him i think, think he feels uh, uh, uh maybe he also has the feeling that he's grown and, and now what are we doing yeah. uh, but, but i'm uh, glad we are doing everything for him the dad doesn't know anything and he would even complain when he comes around once in a, a while he would ask you why the boy is making noise and why you cannot serve his interest mm. but i always don't answer my daughter kara will tell him mm. but dad you didn't even talk to him you mm. didn't even greet him mm. what do you think of him you he definitely feels bad mm. oh he's there but i'm telling you you would ask him anything about donny today he, mm. he knows very little he would not tell you okay but that's usually one of the greatest challenges that well, when you have a special when you have a special child you find it becomes it becomes the work of the mother to actually take care of this baby and all the work is left so sometimes mm -hmm. yes the guys can stay but then all the work still remains it's the mother who's supposed to be doing this and and we really really applaud you for being there because 18 years of raising a special child is not a joke and uh from what you just said i believe that you mentioned that he is nonverbal, right? That means he's not um, able to speak. 
and as yet yeah. he's not talking yeah. so he can uh, he can understand mm. some of the things that uh, you normally have a discussion on right yeah yeah we talked to him like recently mm-hmm. I, I told him mm-hmm. you must hold my hand in order to eat Okay. So when I take the food like this, because whenever you try to put his hands, put food in his hands, mm-hmm. then he would shake, he would shake like that, like he's removing. Mm-hmm. But then I told him, you hold my hands if you want to eat. So I would take the food, mm-hmm. keep it there like this, and then he will pull my hand to his mouth. And mm-hmm. we were so happy when that happens. Yeah. And we have continued doing that with the hope that he would one day just pick the food alone. Mm-hmm. No, the slowly but surely, slowly but surely, I'm sure you're going to get there. And, and, and thank you very much for being very honest and open. I can see Betty is with us. Um, we had our other speaker one second. Uh, welcome, Betty. And welcome, Lucy. I'm trying to find where Mary is. Mary, are you still with us? Hello. I had seen Mary, our other, our other caregiver online, but I think we've lost her or something of the sort. So yes, uh, Pamela, just tell me, how are the service provision now that you've yeah. had to be traveling all the way from Kakamega to Nairobi to get services? And, um, and I know it's not easy because especially if you don't have a wheelchair and you have to use public service and you have had to carry him all through, how are people treating you when you can see this is a big boy and still be carried by the mother? How was the response with the public? Oh, uh, um, as my other friend used to say some, sometimes back that if you are a mother of a special child, you are like a television. Mm. People look at you. Some of them are sorry. Some of them look, oh, it was not easy. And, and, and my son, my, my eldest son is, is my best friend. Mm-hmm. He told me when he was joining university, mm-hmm. when Donny's case started, he told me, Mama, pray for me. The first thing I will do will be to buy a vehicle so that you don't travel with this boy in public. And when he graduated, he did exactly that. He used to collect us. Every time I would want to go to hospital, he would... Uh, drive all the way from Nairobi to pick us from me. Wow. So you see, God always makes a way, yeah? Pamela, now, you see it in, sorry? Then I just pay. Hello? Sorry, I had lost I just pay for his seat. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm saying traveling was a challenge before. Uh, the days I used to visit Nairobi frequently, mm-hmm. uh, but my son, uh, after graduation, the first he did when he had some job was to get a car. So he used to collect us. Mm-hmm. But later on, he was able to sit in a bus, and I would just pray, God, please give me the grace to travel with him. Okay. So he, we would get into the bus, and he would go to, to sleep mm-hmm. until we got grace. Hmm. But these days we don't travel as much. Okay. And uh, whenever we get into the vehicle, he becomes excited. Hmm. He becomes so excited. Mm-hmm. And now the vehicle should, should keep moving. Mm-hmm. In case the vehicle makes a stopover, yeah. then you will hear him complaining. So that is how it has been. <laughs> but it has really been hard. It takes the hand of God. 
Wow. Uh, that, that's, that's the story of resilience. And I'm sure when you look at him now uh, with the growth progress and now that he can even understand his environment and how things are, I'm sure you're a very proud mother, right? Like it brings you so much joy when you see that he's able to respond, he's able to see through the journey and uh, as, as far as you go and he's always there. And that's an awesome, awesome story right there. Thank you very much, Pamela. I can see Patricia is here with us. Patricia yes. Karibusana, uh, would like yeah, to- Yeah, thank you. Hi, hi, Patricia. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Oh, fine, thank you. We were just listening to Pamela's story of how she has raised her 18-year-old son, and it's been 18 years of progress, of tears and joy, and we always give thanks to God because some our, our special children are just that, just very, very special. And uh, as always, no story is the same. So kindly, Pat, introduce yeah. yourself and tell us how your journey has been. Okay, hello, everyone. I'm called Patricia Mary Makonjo. I'm a mother to one very handsome boy, aged he turned two a month ago. And uh, he has he was diagnosed with uh, cerebral palsy. Okay. Basically, I'm the one who diagnosed him. Then I looked for affirmation that it's actually cerebral palsy because at first I was told is severe asphyxia and meconium aspiration grade three. That's okay. what I left the hospital knowing. Mm -hmm. But I was assured it's cerebral palsy at the end of the day. So that is a very long name. What was that? <laughs> oh, that the doctors had given. What, 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 are, what are the signs and symptoms? How was your delivery? How did you how did you conclude? And 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 knowing that you've actually come to be the one who's diagnosing your son, that is quite interesting. So tell us, how was your how was the end of the pregnancy? At what point did you discover something was different? And uh, how how has it been for you? Okay, my pregnancy was very smooth. It was enjoyable. It was normal pregnancy with the, without any complications. And uh, it was just that kind of smooth pregnancy where you could do anything, anytime and enjoy life normally. Mm -hmm. But now on the delivery day one, my son was postpartum with two weeks. Huh? Mm -hmm. post, post, uh, post what? Do they call it postpartum? Postdatism. <laughs> Sorry, postdatism. Yeah, postdatism. Post Post two weeks, like he stayed too post, long. Post, post, came early. post. He stayed too long. He stayed okay. too long. Two weeks. Okay. Now on delivery day, I was induced. It was normal, but now at six they realized there was meconium at six a.m. But it was at the end of the day, it was negligence because the change of shift, shift changing. Mm. Then I delivered. They didn't do anything about it. I understand that there was a strike in one major hospital. The nurses are strike, so they were overwhelmed. So at around, I gave birth at around four. The baby was tired. He didn't cry. As a mother, I thought it was normal because I didn't experience such a thing. He was taken to the nursery. When he was taken to the nursery, is when I realized my son doesn't cry. When you go to breastfeed, my son is not breastfeeding. Others are busy breastfeeding their babies, and he's not crying totally. So he started crying th three days later. I asked the doctors, what is the problem with my son? I was told, your son is very sick. Mm -hmm. Aya, 17 days later, we were discharged. 
and it was written on the on the paper as meconium aspiration grade three asphyxia i don't know what so i asked them you're now discharging us the baby is not breastfeeding what is the problem mama your son is very sick but he's a bit stable you can go home you will come for therapy wait what, what, what did they then explain to you let me just interrupt you nobody really explain nobody to explained to me no nobody explained to me so i made google my friend and that's when i accepted the fact that my son might that might be having cerebral palsy yes so what, what signs and symptoms now that he wasn't breastfeeding and and he went home uh did it change mm -hmm. that or how, how did you it, it never changed Mm -hmm. It never changed. I now started doing cup and spoon, cup and spoon, cup and spoon. Mm -hmm. two, uh, two weeks later, he started being irritated and stretching and crying. Mm -hmm. I took him back to hospital. They told me the baby has meningitis. Okay. <laughs> now they started treating meningitis mm -hmm. on assumption. Mm. They tried to get the why the, the fluid from the back they could not manage, but they now started treating meningitis on assumption. Mm. But remember, me, Google had already told me there's a possibility of cerebral palsy. Wow. Yes, it has been a tough journey, but now at the end of the day, I diagnosed him that way. <laughs> I went to, I met therapists to actually confirm that is the condition of the baby. But if I tell you today, two years later, there's no doctor who has ever told me your son has cerebral palsy. Okay. And, and how was that for you emotionally? Like, uh, are you married? If, if I'm allowed to ask, well, was there support from family and friends? Is he meeting any of the milestones at two years? There are things he's supposed to have already managed to do. Is he, is he mm -hmm. doing things or how is it? Okay. One, I'm married. But I want to thank God for my husband. He accepted the fact that that has happened. Okay, okay. But at the end of the day, you know, families and friends, they told me, oh, let's take baby for prayers. We went. Oh, let's take baby to, I don't know, at a local, those local therapists, that, those ones in the village mm -hmm, who mm -hmm. do very tara tara weird therapy sessions. Okay. I tried that. And I also, we went for prayers from here to one prayer to to another prayer person, to which prayer person, I don't know who, where. And mm -hmm. finally, I was being told, let's see a witch doctor, and I said no. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, I know what baby is going through. I lost friends, by the way. Mm -hmm. I remained with my husband as my best friend. It's a mm -hmm. tough journey. It, it, is, it is always yeah. tough. And, and people, whatever they don't understand, they usually tend to stay away from. And that's just the normal humans, how they are. Like, if, if, if this is something wrong and they're seeing it, it's taking a toll on you, you know. And, 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 and it's something yeah. very funny because some of this thing, it's not a contagious disease that if you're my friend, that means you're going to get it your child is going to get it. It's just uh, an issue that is uh, about development and it's, it's not transferable or communicable. And that's one thing sure. you need to understand. And yeah, and I am 
very glad that your husband has stood by your side because a good number of them either just leave or some of them are there but they're not they there. Take some, they'll be there for every other child but this one you need to I don't want to know. You know, someone just, uh, there is a parent I once met who said that he doesn't even know what medical, all he says is how much do you need you deal with it, you know? You know that is for you to deal. So <laughs> most of the time you find that it's the mother carrying the, the, the entire journey of raising this child. The, the fathers are either financials and we would like for them to be actually hands-on and, and try and understand because it makes it easier. In case anything happens, they, they, of course, the child will be raised. So what, what has been your greatest highlight? Has he met any milestones that you'd like to share with us? Not really, not really. Only, he only smiles. He smiles, but that smile says a lot, you know, that means so much, so much. I'm sure, and I can tell from your facial expression, that is something that you treasure and it's, it brings joy to you because there are those who are not emotional, especially in the neurodiverse community, the children, uh, not, most of them actually don't show emotions. You can call them, they just look at you, they don't respond, they don't look at you in the eye. So for a child to just smile, that means at least they're, that, that their muscles are working well and it is, uh, it is quite something and we appreciate that. So now, is he on any medication? Does he suffer from convulsions and all that? Because we have those comorbid uh, the conditions that come along with cerebral palsy. Yes, currently we are on Rivotril, mm -hmm. and we just we he was just wind off uh, Epilim. Okay. Yes. So at least that means he's making good progress. He was using the both now. He's using one. He's only on one. Yes. And with the issues we've been having about Rivotril being. Uh, um, inaccessible. Tell us, how's, it, how's that been for you? Okay, we just switched to clonazepam, which is a bit, it's a bit available. Availability, it's okay. Getting it, it's not as tricky as Rivotril. And, and did you have that on your own? And the prices, the prices, the prices are just weird. Uh -huh. But you're managing, yes. Yeah, because I can imagine Rivotril was a bit manageable because it was like three shillings. But then right now, yeah. that is like 600 bob a, a bottle for a month. And now we're being sold for around 3,600. So it's a bit crazy uh, with the COVID mm -hmm. times, the things we are going through, especially with parents and for our children. And it's something that, it's not luxury, right? Like if we do not yeah. give our children this medication, chances of them regressing. And because, you know, when you get a convulsion, normally you find that uh, the brain activity are interrupted with and uh, very many other things and just let me just bring that up at least so that we can explain to guys what we're talking about so you find cerebral palsy is a disorder which uh, brings up abnormalities and damage in the baby's brain during infancy or early childhood permanently affecting the body movement muscle conditions and as the word says cerebral refers to the brain and palsy refers to the physical disorders and that's the name in Swahili it's Utundiwa and October 6th is the World Cerebral Palsy Day and uh, the month where we actually raise awareness is in March and the color ribbon for cerebral palsy is green. On the other side what we are discussing now that is the seizures so you will find that what, what is a seizure actually uh, okay, one second, I just bring that back 
on so that we can at least explain. So that when we're talking about all convulsions and seizures, so a seizure is a disruption in the electrical pulse patterns of the brain. That, that which causes the caused by brain cells moving simultaneously at a faster rate than normal. So normally there is a way that you normally function. Remember Pamela mentioned about uh, transformer blowing and trying to reconnect. So that's what we're talking about. So that's what the, the seizure disorder is. Epilepsy on the other side is a disorder defined by recurrent and provoked seizures. Most of the time that when people are having seizures, you will find they'll have an aura. Like they will feel a certain way, smell something or, you know, and, and get a feeling when they grow and get to understand and they know, oh yes, it's coming and they either keep themselves safe. But you see for us with the neurodiverse children, either cerebral palsy, autism and the likes, you find it's something that not everyone will be able to identify and not everyone gets the aura. So the one thing that's usually very dangerous is um, if it finds the their child when they're out playing or walking and then they fall down, they, if they, they hit their head, you know, that it is a riskier. So yeah, at least today you have been schooled. That is um, our lesson for today. Back to you, Patricia. A lovely photo there. <laughs> still there? I'm here. You're here. Okay, good. Now, Abu, tell us. Now, when you, I'm, I'm still, I'm still stuck on the on the signs and symptoms. Apart from breastfeeding, what else was going on? Like, what else did you see? Because I'm, I'm looking at this is an infant, yeah? Uh, what provoked you to actually conclude about cerebral palsy, apart from the convulsions and, and, and the law and the, the other issues mentioned, plus the long <laughs> diagnosis the doctors gave you? What, what made you think, apart from Dr. Google, um, what did you see that you were correlating with what Google told you for you to come up with that conclusion that it was actually cerebral palsy? Okay, there was also crying irritability, mm -hmm. too much irritability, and then there's a way he was he was sweating, mm -hmm. too much of sweating and uh, stretching, like he was stretching or something of the sort. There's a, there's something he was doing which is not a convulsion. Mm -hmm. I don't know how they call it though. Involuntary muscle movement. Yes, muscle, the muscles. He could stiffen, stiffening. Let me use the word stiffen. Mm -hmm. He could stiff, stiffen his hands and the legs mm -hmm. and cry, cry the whole night. Be asleep. He was literally a sleepless baby. Mm -hmm. yes. well, but but don't, you, don't you think it's advisable that you get at least a doctor to diagnose so that you have the right diagnosis apart from the one you have personally done? Pardon? I'm saying, um, don't you think it will be wise uh, for you to go for, uh, for a doctor's opinion so that at least you have that conclusive uh, diagnosis from them apart from what you have personally concluded that this is cerebral palsy and, <laughs> you know, it's always good when a professional gives you another light because maybe it could be something else. okay, we're giving it the benefit of doubt that he's two years, maybe it could be too early, you know, because I'm trying to see, um, looking at the milestone, so is he walking yet? No. Okay. Okay. There's a there's a time. Huh? Mm -hmm. uh, he had he had infantile spasms. Yes. And he was put on he was put on some steroids. Okay. To manage the spasms. Mm -hmm. 
remember this time nobody had also told me he might be having he's having cerebral palsy okay so i met uh i went i was i went to that i was referred to a neurologist who told me the baby has infantile spasticity Mm. But I'm not being told the underlying issue no, why he's having the The main issue, and I think that's one of the issues yes. with our local doctors. Like, give it to me straight. I am the parent. If you give it to me yes. straight, I, tell want, me I want to fix it. Yes, then that way I'll know what to do, I'll know where to go. But then you're just giving it yes. to me doses instead of just serving it straight. Tell me, this is cerebral palsy, this is what you should be expecting, this is what you should, you know, you should be doing. Because you can imagine if you start a therapy as early as that was put out to you. You know, early intervention is one of the things that we are fighting towards. That we need our doctors to just be straight. If it's the nurse, yeah. you're seeing my child is supposed to be sitting, it's not sitting, let's mark that and make it a red flag. Don't tell us that every child is different or boys are slower and stuff like that. Let's be real because uh, people are suffering and our children, I believe, can live a better life when this is accepted. The moment in which now our, our, our doctors and, and, and um, the medical fraternities open, yes, just be human. I know it's difficult. Sometimes they feel like they don't want to be the bearers of bad news, but still, at the end of the day, you're helping me a great load when you tell me this is what we're suspecting. Let's watch. But for now, this is what is going on. What do you think, Patricia? How was your side? Don't you think that I, mean, I, opinion, I think I think it's high time we battled that. Huh? That's the only issue that I think is lacking. Mm. A parent should be prepared from the word. Is it me or have we lost you, Patricia? Hello, Patricia. I, I, I think I lost you. Can't hear her. It's frozen. It's frozen. Pamela, are you there? I think we lost. I think we lost Patricia. Pamela? Hello. I think we're having technical challenges on her side, but yes. Huh? Pamela, are you still there? You're back on Facebook. You're on the screen. Maureen, can you hear me? Tell me if you can hear me so I know it's not my side. <laughs> See Pamela, I see my phone. Okay, so yes. okay. Pamela, you're there? Okay, good. Thank you. And at least my sign language has confirmed that it's not on our side. So we have lost Patricia, but Pamela is still here with us. Pamela, just let me know how did the doctor break it? For you, you had an easier you had an easier way when they actually broke it down to you that the child had cerebral palsy. Uh, I will remind us how old how old was was he at the time when you were being given the diagnosis? Pamela? 
Your audio is not working. Oh, bummer. <laughs> Patricia, you're back. Good. We're having issues all from Kakamega on audio, so as Pamela is trying to sort that out. Patricia, you were saying something. I was saying yeah. it will be better it will be better if uh, a parent was told from the word go what to expect from their child. Mm. A diagnosis to be given from the word go. That's true. That's it's, it's unfortunate if, if even when you've been told that the child is already the child already has cerebral palsy that you will visit another doctor who will not accept that condition on your child. He will tell you, um, total hakai cerebral palsy. Mm. So I don't know how cerebral palsy in a car. <laughs> no, but you see, it's because they're different. What, what most don't understand, there are different types of cerebral palsy. There are five of them, depending on which part mm. of the brain has been affected. I was trying to just find that and explain it to our audience so that they get to understand it. But then there are five types. So depending on on which part of your brain has the, of the child has been affected, that's how you know. Because there are those ones who have just minimal movement affected and they can communicate. There are those who cannot do anything at all. Like they can't see, they can't do anything. Then we have the ones who at least can see it, can make sound. Then there are those who cannot make sound at all, at all, you know. And there are those who can actually even feed themselves that have some... Uh, movement in their muscles and that those who are totally steep out and cannot do anything. So that's some of the things that I think um, in, 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 in the, um, either the medical fraternity, they should be taught some of these things so that in, uh, they, they know in advance. When, when your child did not cry, didn't they feel like something was amiss at the point? Because you mentioned when you, after delivery, the baby did not cry. Patricia. Pat. Can you hear me, Patricia? That was to you. Yes, I can hear you. Please repeat. I'm saying, when your baby did not cry, weren't the doctors worried? Okay, the, the consultant, there was a the main doctor who is a consultant who would come in the morning. <laughs> she she is the one who showed some concern and told and there's something she fumbled that i overheard and that's when i realized there was a big problem mm. yes okay okay well i've had many stories about how cp comes and i know there is this, a lot of the main diets there is a lot of delivery i've had something about even a line being pulled out of a child and you just flipped everything in the child development pamela can you hear us Pamela? Yes? Yes, I was asking. Yeah, I can now hear you. I lost you. My phone went off power. Okay. Yeah? No problem. I was asking you, uh, at, what, at what point did you get the diagnosis? Just remind us for, 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 for baby C. Uh, Donnie. How was his development? The first, few, the first few months and years of his development. What did you notice first that was not um, as far his other siblings? Yeah, when 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 he start, when he started having the Caesar attacks, then I got worried and they were mild. 
And then he could not feed well. He could not breastfeed. He would only maybe uh, either hold tight on the nipple and uh, the milk is just pouring out, or he would just, you put the nipple in his mouth and he would just, like, it is just there. So I realized there was a seri serious problem at that time. So at least that's one similarity you have noticed about the muscles and breastfeeding. So when a child is not breastfeeding, that's one of the many key indicators that something is not right. And how about yeah. movements? Before the conversion started, how was his movement like in development? Was he responsive emotionally when you conversed with him when he was an infant? Was he responsive when, Come he, on, when he was a child? Like, and then you know the way babies make the, uh, the baby cuckoo noises? And if you smile at them, was he about, did he have eye contact? And uh, did he sit in time? Those ones. How was his journey? One boy. I, I mean, one one thing I can I can say honestly is that he never used to coo. This cooing of the child, which the children do, I realized maybe at around four months there was nothing completely. He would only cry when he's in discomfort. But he looked a healthy child with no problem at all. Okay, so at least we've seen similarities a lot of the uh, in the movement, both in your in your child and uh, Patricia's. So when it comes to walking, at, uh, how is his muscle toning and stuff like that during? Because from from birth, eighteen, how changing according to his phases? Oh, for Donnie, Hello. for Donnie, uh, I realized that when, when now he could be able to, to maybe step, like you would hear the strength in his limbs, uh, he, he had um, what we call, what do we call this? Abduction, abduction, mm -hmm. because of the way you see when we were now making him now to sit, you would sit most of the times. So you find there is a, some opening between the two thighs. And uh, they, they rarely come, come, come to the normal, the way they stand on the two legs well. So that abduction is there when he could now even stand on his limbs. Stand, actually stand when he is held. That is, I mean that. Okay. Oh, so did you, did you, you had to use the calipers and those ones to support him or how has it been for you? Or what, what? Mm, not really. The doctor made the, uh, the, the, the slab, the slab. Uh, that doctor actually used to help me with uh, a lot of things. We would improvise. Mm. We did not have the, what do we call them? The cafos, the ones which are bought, uh, yeah. no. He used the, you could use the plus of Paris mm -hmm. to make one for his, the back slabs for the legs mm -hmm. and even for the hands because you realize after many twitches, so my son was like this. Most of the times he was like this. Mm -hmm. The hands were moving inside like this. So with the occupational therapy and, uh, and, and, um, and the doctor making the slabs for his hands, and even for the legs, 
So it tried to correct, although he's, a, he's hemiplegic, the left side is seriously affected. And even today, if you see him walking the way the sister is helping him walk, see him limping. The left side is even shorter, and he steps on the, on the, how, how do I say? On the toes. He steps like this. <laughs> okay. Yeah, on the left side. He tiptoes. He tip right. <laughs> exactly. He tiptoes on the left side, mm -hmm. and even his left hand, mm -hmm. he would hold like this, and it keeps moving. Mm -hmm. But the right one has strength. Oh. And that is why I have hope, because when it all started, his limbs were all weak. There was nothing. Mm -hmm. And when you come to think that now this child, will he be a child? Will he ever old? So I, I still have the hopes that even at 18, mm -hmm. you would be able to do something alone at least, even if it is just eating food and putting in his own mouth. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I'm still trusting God for that. Amen. And that's, I, I like the faith. And for us parents, we should always keep the faith and focus and ensure that at least we do what we can. You mentioned uh, Carl has been in school, right? So has there been a difference? Is it a boarding school? Yeah. school? You mentioned he went to school. Yes, so teacher. I think they would encourage us to, to have the school. Let now plan them to move now in a college. I don't want to have an abode. The line is not clear, Pamela. Hello. Pamela, your line is not clear. Okay, today we're having a lot of technicals, a lot of technical hitches, and the way the conversation is, <laughs> the conversation is quite something. But yeah, we, we are having an issue with technical issues. We've lost Pamela there. She's trying to tell us the, about the education of her celebrity child who's now 18. And she still has hope that he will get somewhere. And I like that. I really, really love that. Because if you look across board, the children who actually make it the most are the ones whose parents don't give up on them and that they keep the fire burning and they make sure they take them to school and give them everything any other child would be having. And I would like to pass my sincere gratitude to our panelists today, that is Patricia and Pamela. And uh, uh, looking at time, it's, it's about time for us to sign off. I wish I had them to give us at least a parting shot, but I can see at least Patricia is reconnecting, then we can talk to her. But for you at home, remember, Celebra Palsy is something that you can manage. And this month, the, we are going to be focusing on a lot of CP stories, considering the 6th is World CP Day, and we shall be having our own celebrations in different places where you can join, just find it and plug it and share so that we raise awareness and we ensure that people are educated and we have maximum support for the children with cerebral palsy. Remember, it's not contagious, but your attitude will be something that will make a difference. We need positive attitudes and support. When you see a parent and a caregiver with a special child, 
offer that support. Maybe just uh, decide I'm going to take care of the child for one hour. You go take a rest, go and see. Because it's not an easy job. Like you've had the, most of the things they cannot do on their own and they need support. Patricia, I can see your back. Kindly give us your parting shot. We were just saying thank you and that time is not on our side. Um, what, what, what would be your message to the general public and to fellow parents of special needs children? Okay, my part in short is let's accept cerebral palsy. It's a condition that is there to stay. And as you have said, it's not contagious. It's my plea to each and every parent to kindly let's make uh, awareness. It's funny that people, most people don't know about cerebral palsy and they believe it's witchcraft. Let's try and sensitize the community around us about cerebral palsy. That's what I can say. It's not a curse. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much. If anyone has a question, you can drop it in the chat for those of us who are live here with us. And like she said, yes, it's not a curse. And remember, cerebral palsy is not something that you can wish it or do something for it to you. No, it has no one to blame. It just happens to anyone. So long as you're a mother, so long as you're a sister, remember, and you have the ability to give birth, it can happen to anyone. The other thing I would love to add on about this, please, at least be more careful because we have had so many stories about parents saying, I blame it on the doctor. He did this, he did that, we're not supposed to do, and that's how I ended up here. So let us see that. Let's raise awareness, let people understand that it is not a curse, it is not something that a parent did to deserve, but anyone anyone's child can actually contract cerebral palsy. And awareness is key. Acceptance is the best medicine. So accept, embrace, and focus on their abilities, man. Don't focus on the label and the diagnosis, but the person itself. And ensure that you support so that parents are able to raise their children with the best of their abilities. I have been your host, Sylvia Moramuchago, here on NeuroDigest, our special needs hangout. Uh, I think episode 19 or 20, but we will keep talking about this even in the weeks to come. We will be having our show in alternate Saturday starting this month. And next, we shall be talking to Maria Njeri. She is an ACP cerebral palsy advocate, and she has cerebral palsy herself. She is a graduate, so it is always possible. So, Patricia, your dreams are very valid. Thank you, Micah, for always being our sign language interpreter, and we appreciate you. And for all our viewers, for tuning in every Saturday, same time, same place. We'll see you next week, but one on the 17th, as we discuss breaking the glass barriers despite our diagnosis. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next week.